Um, I'll be reading from Mark chapter 4. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. A lamp on a stand. He said to them, do you, bring a lamp? do you bring in a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you put it on its stand? For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let them hear. Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it would be measured to you, and even more. Whoever has will be given even more. Whoever does not have... Even what they will have will be taken from them. The parable of the growing seed. He also said, This is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day, where whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, and then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come, the parable of the mustard seed. Again, he said, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like, or what perhaps shall we use to describe it? It is like a mustard seed, which is the smallest of all seeds on earth. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants, which such, which such big branches that the birds can perch in its shade. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them, as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, 
but when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. Well, good morning. Uh, my name's David, if I haven't had a chance to meet you, and uh, helping uh, sub in for Mike while he's on holidays. Uh, as we begin uh, this morning, uh, I want you to have a look at this on the screen, please. I told you it was going nowhere. I thought things would work out. You should have left years ago. Mm, yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Same age, same income, same starting balance. Ten years ago, Sue switched to an industry super fund. Jill stayed with a retail super fund. Compare the pair. You've still got time. Past performance is not a reliable indicator of future performance. Same age, same starting balance, uh, but these two friends end up in different places financially. And of course, it's designed to make us think, am I missing out? Uh, and should I change super funds so that I don't miss out? Uh, it's not too late. If you were to make an ad about people spiritually, though, uh, what might it look like? Uh, those of you who've been Christians for a while, um, uh, you can probably think of friends of a similar age. Uh, maybe you went to youth group with them, uh, you've done beach missions with them, uh, and you had the same starting balance, uh, keen, eager, uh, going to Bible studies, but now you're in different situations. Why is it that you've grown in faith, but your friends haven't? Or maybe flip it around, uh, same age, same starting spiritual balance, and perhaps now as you think of it, how is it that my friends are powering on in their walk with God, but my faith has been slowly shrinking and shriveling? How is it that some people keep growing in their faith and others don't? Well, the Bible uh, provides a number of answers, a number of dimensions in the way we can answer that. Uh, and one of those uh, we come to here in Mark chapter 4. Uh, as, uh, as Jack said earlier, you've been working your way through Mark's biography of Jesus and you've seen G been seeing Jesus in action, um, him healing people, teaching people, forgiving people, hanging out with people who aren't religious. Today in Mark chapter 4, we come to one of those summaries of what Jesus taught. Now, I'm not going to try and do the whole chapter, uh, but I want to focus on the first half of it and try and answer this question, why is it that some people grow as followers of Jesus and others don't? Uh, so let me pray for us. Uh, God, uh, we do thank you for your word. Uh, please now, by your spirit, take your word and make it alive to each one of us that we would know you speaking into our lives. Amen. So the crowd is there in front of Jesus. They're, they're gathered around the water's edge. And Jesus is sitting there in the boat. And he looks out. I wonder if he recognised any of the faces. You know, these people who had come to hear him before. 
and he begins this well-known parable. Uh, in verse 3, he begins it by saying, Listen. The force of that word is, you must do this. This is vital. This is something you must listen to. Jesus wants the crowd to listen very carefully. And the parable finishes the same way. You see it there in verse 9? Then Jesus said to him, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Of course, Jesus is not questioning whether people in the crowd have got two ears or not. Uh, Of course they do. But are they listening? This is like Moses in the book of Deuteronomy saying to Israel, Listen up. For those of you who are trying to understand what Jesus is saying, let them hear. And again, it carries this force of, this is what you must do. If you desire the truth about God's kingdom, you must listen. One of the things I'm currently working on in my marriage is to be a better listener. Uh, Too often I uh, think I understand when clearly I don't. Uh, too often I'm, I say that I've heard and then I completely forget stuff. I'm sure I'm not the first husband in the world to be like that, uh, but it's something I know I need to work on. Uh, and Jesus says to us, like a husband who's as thick as two short planks, you really need to listen. You've got the ears, but are you listening? Uh, That is the key to the parable. In fact, it's the same for all the parables. Have a look there in verse 33. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. So the word there for understand is the same word in verse 3 and verse 9 for listen. So you could say, with many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could listen. The call of the parables is to really listen. So, why does Jesus teach the crowd in parables? Why use them? What's the point of it? Well, we're told there in verse 10. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on the outside everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, ever hearing and never understanding. Otherwise they might turn and be forgiven. So what's Jesus saying here? Seems sort of counterintuitive, doesn't it? Well, Jesus is quoting from Isaiah chapter 6, that that very famous passage in the Old Testament where Isaiah sees a a vision of the glory of God. So to understand what uh, Jesus is saying, we need to think about what was going on in the original context. Uh, So if you want to chase it through later on, uh, it comes from Isaiah chapter 6. In that chapter, uh, God gives Isaiah a mission to the kingdom of Judah. So this is in the 8th century BC. And the the kingdom of Judah have been a rebellious people against God. They are wicked and sinful. And now God is going to judge them. And the effect of Isaiah's message to them will be to harden their hearts. The impact of the message will mean they will hear it, 
but they won't understand it. They won't perceive the truth. And because they don't perceive it, they will be under judgment. Now, does Isaiah uh, go out of his way to make the message difficult to understand? Uh, Does he make it so obscure that people don't get it? Well, no, he doesn't. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 28, Isaiah's critics have a crack at him because he's so plain and so simple. They, they say, you, are, you teach like you're a kindergarten teacher. That's how simple you are. So it's not that Isaiah makes the message difficult to understand. It's just the opposite. But what will happen is, People will not want to hear the message from God and the more they don't want to hear, the more they will close their ears and shut their eyes to what God's saying. You you think about it in your household. um, I'm I'm not sure how it works in your household, but who's responsible for putting the garbage bins out? You think, when when it's bin night and you say to the person in your family responsible for the bins uh listen it's bin night would you mind putting the bins out and they say actually i don't want to um i'm just a bit busy a bit tired tonight listen i'm wondering could you please put the bins out it's bin night they need to go out otherwise they're going to be overflowing i don't want to would you please put the bins out i don't want to And the more you say it, the clearer you are, the more people want to close their ears and not put the bins out. And it's that sort of thing that Isaiah is going to face as he speaks to Judah. The clearer the message, the more people will close their eyes and put their fingers in their ears and they will be hardened and resistant to the message. And so Isaiah will say it even more plainly, even more clearly. And people will be more resistant. So that's the background. That's the quote that Jesus then uses here to say, this is what I'm doing with the parables. Jesus uses the parables not to make things clearer. They're not an an illustration, but to keep things concealed. The effect of Isaiah's message was, it will harden people's hearts. And so too, it will be for those who aren't really listening to Jesus. The effect of Jesus' parables will be the same. For those who have ears to hear, who really want to listen, the message is there. But for those who refuse to listen to Jesus, the parables will be confusing. They will conceal the truth. Last weekend, I went to the art gallery uh, on North Terrace in town. I took my daughter. My daughter's uh, quite uh, artistic and and skillful with design, and so we thought we'd go and have a look at a couple of the exhibitions. And we're wandering through. We we found the exhibition we wanted and walked into a couple of the rooms, and and I stood there looking at a few of these pieces. Whoops, sorry. And I was thinking, I I just don't get this. (laughs) I'm sorry. The, whatever the artist was trying to convey was completely hidden from me. Um, I, was, I just didn't get it. I didn't get it. And that will be the sort of impact 
that the parables will have as Jesus speaks to people who are on the outside. They won't get it. It'll just wash over. So Jesus wants to know, are people listening to him? He explains the parable then to his disciples and we see it's a parable about listening, about how people respond. Have a look there at verse 14. The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seed sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seed sown among the thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others like seeds sown on good soil hear the word, accept it and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Notice how it keeps talking about how people hear the word, how they hear the word and respond in a certain way. It's a parable about how people listen, how they hear the word and respond. And up to this point in Mark's biography of Jesus, We've seen these different responses. We've seen the, uh, the, the seed sown on the path, the word snatched away by Satan. We've seen the religious leaders in conflict with Jesus. Their response to Jesus is to say in chapter 3 that he's cooperating with Satan. So they want to plot to kill him. We've seen the seed, we've seen the seed sown in rocky places the word received with joy but it has no root we've seen the crowds following jesus all over galilee and as they've seen jesus heal and heard him teach they've been amazed they've been excited they've been so full of joy and enthusiasm they've received jesus and his word with joy but by the end of mark it's the crowds who turn on jesus and are calling for his execution The word doesn't last. We see the seed sown among the thorns. The word choked out by the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth. Just before this passage, at the end of chapter 3, we're we're even given a hint in Jesus' calling of the twelve apostles. There is Judas who for 30 pieces of silver, the word will be choked out. His response to Jesus will be unfruitful. And there are those who are good soil. They receive the word and produce a crop, a bumper crop. They respond to Jesus by truly hearing him and his word and they grow. And that's what we see with the rest of the 12. From this small group of men... And their response to Jesus, God grows his people. The fact that there's a church here this morning is evidence of that. I think the the thing that I've been struck by looking at this parable again uh, in preparing for this morning is that it's all about people. Real 
people. So that as Jesus sat in the boat that day, looking out at the crowd on the shore, he could see their faces. He saw real people. He could see real people responding to him in different ways. Those faces that he could see. And so we too, as real people, are in this position to respond to Jesus. Well, what are the implications then of a passage like this? Well, uh, perhaps uh, you wouldn't call yourself an insider with Jesus. Uh, maybe you'd say you're more of an investigator. Maybe you'll call yourself even a sceptic. Uh, and I want to say thank you uh, for you know, listening to the talk this morning. Uh, maybe you've been sitting there very politely, um, being quiet, um, but you've been bored out of your brains. Um, if that's you, I, I just want you to listen to this next sentence, okay? This is the one sentence I want you to take away from this morning. Jesus wants you to really, sincerely understand what he's saying. That's your sentence. Jesus wants you to really sincerely seek to understand what he's saying and the, and the regulars here at Trinity Grove um, they want to help with that uh, last week they were advertising a, a Jesus Works course uh, which is a way for, for skeptics and investigators you know, just to you know, do the metaphorical sort of walk around and kick the tyres of who Jesus is and what he's on about if you're an investigator if you're a skeptic Jesus wants you to really sincerely seek to understand what he's saying. Second implication, I think the second implication in this passage is the implication of privilege. Uh, a good number of you have been following Jesus for a long time, so you're not part of the crowd on the, who are on the outside sort of listening, puzzling about what Jesus is saying. You're an insider. And so in the language of verse 11, the secret of the kingdom has been given to you. You're not left wondering who Jesus is or what he came for, how you should respond. You've been given that. But it is a gift. It's not something you have because you're more clever or more worthy. The secret of the kingdom has been given to you. And so as an insider, hearing the words of Jesus and understanding them, that is a great privilege. And so that should move you to thankfulness. Third implication. Each year in the lead-up uh, to the Royal Adelaide Show, uh, the Department of Con Con uh, Consumer Affairs uh, puts out their shame list of all the things in show bags that they've found that could be dangerous. Uh, most of them are things that people could choke on, uh, especially the kids. So they name these, these products, they shame them so that people will not choke. And here Jesus names and shames the choking hazards for us. WWD, 
worries, wealth and desire. So what would choke Jesus' word in you? Is it the worries of this life? Uh, For some of you, that may be uh, you're trying to look after your ageing parents uh, as they become more needy. And as you're trying to do that, at the same time, your own household needs, your time and energy. And so, you know, you're pulled in these different directions and you're so consumed with trying to look after everybody else, mentally and emotionally, there's just not the space left to reflect on what God's word is saying to you? Is it the worries of this life that are choking out the word? Or would wealth choke out Jesus' word in you? Uh, For some of you, uh, you're just at that point where you're starting jobs or you'll soon be starting careers and for the first time, you might just have a bit of money. Uh, that'll be a novel thing, won't it, after working at Macca's for six years? Um, maybe you might move out of home, you know, do a bit of travelling. Um, and then this funny thing starts to happen in our culture. That you get to 30 and this thing starts to come up inside you saying, I need to buy a house. Now, jobs and travel and houses, you know, they're all good things. They're all good gifts from God. But they can easily become the focus. And the energy that you need to wrestle with God's word gets taken up and you're soon wrestling with what colour scheme will I redo the kitchen in? What are the, what are the choking hazards for you? What would choke out God's word and make it unfruitful for you? Because this is crucial. We began by saying that we can all be at the same starting point. Same age, same starting spiritual balance. Do you notice in the parable, all the people hear the word. But why do some people not grow? Because the word gets choked out, making it unfruitful. They may still well be believers, but they are unfruitful. And if I, I think this is the danger point. This is the danger point. Which begs the question, um, you know, how do we make sure that we can work at being fruitful? Verse 20 says that fruitful people, good soil, they hear the word, they accept it and they produce a crop. Hear, accept and produce. There is understanding, there is willing obedience that leads to action. So how can we do that? Well, if it all starts with truly hearing the word, uh, then at least two things have got to happen. Uh, First of all, we've got to keep putting ourselves in a position where we are actually open to hearing God's word for ourselves. Second thing is, we need to slow down enough to actually take in God's word to truly listen, to chew it over, to grapple with what difference does this make in my life? I I know for me, uh, I know that if I don't 
actually open up God's Word and spend time in it before the day takes off, then it just gets crowded out. I know that uh, I need to deliberately slow down to take in God's Word because when I, I'm a morning person, I get up and you know, it doesn't take long and my mind is going at a, you know, a thousand revs a minute. So how do we actually create the space to taking God's word and slow down enough to do that. Now, that may be we actually need to read the passage out loud for ourselves so we're very deliberate about what it is that we're doing. It may be that we need to read the passage a number of times or in a number of different uh, versions, different translations. Uh, Whatever it takes to actually slow ourselves down enough and then to be able to think, what difference does this actually make to me? Um, not just to tick the box, say, yep, I've read that, okay, on to the next thing, but to truly listen. Maybe it, be, it might be that you need to have um, a buddy that you can ring once a week and say, you know, this is what I've been reading and I've been, this is what I've been learning and the difference that it, I want it to make. You know, just to be able to chew that over or even you know, to sit down and have a cup of tea with somebody and chew it over with them. Last implication. Uh, I think this actually has implications for church planting. Uh, Here we are, a new church plant. Uh, This passage actually brings helpful perspective. We pray that Golden Grove will be good soil. But maybe not everybody will be like that. So, recognise that as Trinity Grove sows the word there will be this range of responses that we see in this passage that will help us have realistic expectations about what goes on. My brothers and sisters, Jesus really wants us to listen, to listen well. So will you be good soil? Let me pray for us. God, thank you that you don't leave us in the dark. Thank you that you want us to know you and to love you and to grow to be like Jesus. So please give us the willingness to truly listen to what Jesus is saying, to take that on board and to grow and flourish. Amen.